Hey guys, welcome back to Chaotic But Good. I'm here tonight with Miss Jen Rankin, and we are here literally to just have a conversation. I really appreciate you being here because this is my first like interview type yeah. one. So we'll see how it goes together. But um, did you have a good day today? You know, it was Monday number two or five or whatever day we're on of the week. Was so. anything like anything crazy happen or like anything? Nothing too crazy. Um, oddly enough, I know we're, we're speaking um, on, you know, uh, infertility and, and pregnancy loss today oddly enough today coincided with a visit to my my OBGYN what look at the, <laughs> look at God look at God how great did your appointment go well like he knew that I needed something to talk about um so actually it it, it did go good everything's fine I went to have um an issue checked out um, and it went very well. Um, I did have a surprising amount of anxiety going back into that building. Is it because of um, the issues that you have had in the past? Like, does that just cause anxiety anytime you have one of those doctor's appointments? Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely touch on that um, once we get a little further into this. But there is, it was odd, though, because by the end of my, my pregnancy, um, I was so comfortable in that building. I was so used to being there because I had to visit so much. And then for some reason today, like going back in, like my hands were shaking. I, was like, I don't even know why I am this anxious. I know everyone in this building. I know, you know, back and forth, but there was something about it it's, being back in there. It's crazy how like a break from something, you're like, you get so used to something and then you go back and the anxiety kicks back up again. But it before really we get into like all of what we're here for to talk about tonight, let's, um, how we know each other. So we kind of know each other, but not like super well. This is going to be our first like real conversation that we have yeah. with one another but we have a mutual family friend uh Megan who is absolutely incredible and awesome and then you were childhood best friends with her oldest daughter correct yes yes and then we've run into each other like I've met your child before I've <laughs> yeah. seen you at like graduations and something else too I, I think you just came over to hang out oh while uh Jessica was in town you came to hang out yes so that you, she could meet my daughter yeah oh that, I didn't know that 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 was her first time I guess so, her and Sarah she, really mm -hmm. and she's so sweet sweet baby James so let's go ahead and um kind of get started you're married correct yes. yes how long have you been married for oh why do you have me to do math uh so we got married in 2019 so what is that four years how long did you guys date did you date for a while oh, we've been dating for 12 years oh okay yeah so was so your... we were seven years in before he he proposed <laughs> was your proposal cute was it fun was it worth sharing or so we aren't really like super social, super like public display people. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was our seven year anniversary and we actually just chilled at home. It was such a great day. We were just so relaxed, just us. Um, and at the end of the night, he just, we were sitting on the couch watching a movie. I think we were watching, um, what is it, Littlefoot? It's the cartoon oh, Bigfoot yes, movie. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I love stuff like that. Um, and so we had bought that and I think we had just finished watching that and he just kind of turned to me and pulled out the ring. Um, so very sweet, very intimate, very much just us. Was he planning on doing it that night or did it just kind of like it was just the right time? Oh, no, it was run? planned. He had already talked to his mom. They had like scoured my Pinterest page. <laughs> so it was very much and the ring. Let me see the ring. Let me look. Okay. Oh, it's real pretty. It's got like it's a gorgeous. lot of pave in it. It's real cute. He did a good job with it. I'm he did impressed. a very good job. I'm not, and I don't say that to everybody because <laughs> sometimes rings are just not, not, or not my style. Everybody yeah. has their own style of ring. But okay, so you guys got married after you dated for a while. Was your wedding beautiful? Was it? So we eloped, uh, which our mutual friend Megan was not super. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to be there and uh, we didn't tell anybody, you know, Oh, we we announced like... the engagement, and um, 
I had my sisters there and his mom was there and um, Justice King down at the courthouse, you know, I, was, I used to work in the legal field and I had a friend who was Justice King's paralegal and she got us set up with him. He loves doing weddings. And so he, honestly, he may have been happier that day than we were. <laughs> he had a huge old smile, but we went and we got gorgeous pictures in front of the courthouse and then we went out to eat with our family. Um, and again, it was just very kind of low key. Um, we had actually planned on doing a wedding in October of 2020, but we all know what happened. Yeah, no, I imagine that that didn't happen. No, it did not. So, But I guess it ended up saving money in the long run. So like, It did, and we're still just as married. We're just as married as we were. I always think it's an awesome idea to elope, but I also like don't want to pay for people to come hang out with me that I wouldn't really hang out with otherwise. I really just wanted the dress. Was your dress pretty? What did your dress look like? Oh, so I ended up where it was beautiful dress. Um, it was very, very simple. It was a, a knee length A-line dress. Um, it was beautiful. My sister, um, she's so sweet. So my mom passed when I was 19 and one of the things I was sad about was all the things, like the big moments she was going to yes. miss past that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her thing was blue butterflies. My sister stole my dress and like sewed in an embroidered blue butterfly so, to the inside of my dress. Did you know beforehand or like? She showed it to me when I put it, I went over to her house to get ready. And you just immediately saw. Oh, absolutely. No, I think that's, <laughs> that's just, I love hearing like people's wedding stories because you hear so many different ones or the special like touches that people add to things that you wouldn't recognize mean so much to somebody. So you and Jace got married. Now, did you immediately want to start a family? Was that something that y'all wanted to start pretty quickly? So, <laughs> We had touched base on it, but no, um, my first pregnancy was actually, bef- actually my first two pregnancies were before we got married. Really? Yes. Okay. So we, he proposed in March of 2019 okay. um, and we got married May of that year. So my first pregnancy was February of 2019 and my second pregnancy was March of 2019. Were those planned or were they Not at all pregnancies? Not at okay. all planned. Um was definitely freaking out, terrified when I called my sister to to tell her <laughs> that there are two lines on the test. And very much, you know, it, it, it was a shock. I called Jace and made him come home from work. <laughs> I was like, you need to come look at this. Was being a mom something that you always wanted to be? Was that, has that always been a life goal of yours, even though that was an unexpected pregnancy or? I have always loved kids. And when I was younger, I had always intended to have them. There was a period in my early 20s after my mom died and uh, we were, you know, taking care of my grandmother where I was like, I just, I don't want to ever be a caregiver again. Um, and that did, you know, change for me um, later on. But there was a, a few years there where I was like, I don't think it's just going to be what I want. Um, at the time that we got pregnant, um, I was fighting my mental health really bad. Um, I was in a, a pretty, pretty bad place. And I did not have health insurance. Ah, so yeah. that's, yeah, yeah America. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wasn't really uh, having access to... Uh, get any type of mental health treatment. And so, so, so did that first pregnancy really affect your mental health before everything kind of happened? Um, besides, like the actual pregnancy itself in the beginning? So I was already so deep into my anxiety and depression. Um, and the, the pregnancy on top of that, it was so odd because it would be like a light switch one moment. I would be absolutely terrified and I had absolutely no idea how we were going to make this work and 
giving birth sounded horrendous. And then the next moment I was, you know, 10 pages deep on Amazon adding stuff to cart <laughs> for so, my kid. It's so crazy how that swap like happens. And I, I mm-hmm. cannot relate to any of this at all because pregnancy, I think, is a beautiful experience for so many people. It sounds absolutely horrifying to me. Like, look. Pregnancy sucks. See, and I had a friend that like, was a mother and was not about the motherhood thing, but she loved being pregnant. That was something that she loved. And I, I don't, I think of the movie alien when I think of pregnancy, <laughs> but that's just a personal, a personal thing, I guess. It's such a foreign concept to me for somebody to enjoy being pregnant. There, there were two things that I enjoyed about being pregnant. And they were? Seeing my baby on the 3D sonogram. Aww, because okay. she had such a personality, even in the womb. Mm-hmm. Um, she still like sticks her tongue out when she smiles and like kind of, pants with her tongue out all the time I have sonograms from when I was like 24 weeks pregnant where she was sticking her tongue out at the at the sonogram she was making her personality known from such an early age very early on um and then the baby kicks the baby kicks are the best part see and it's that's... the only part I miss because now I get to see my kids so you know the sonograms I don't really miss I see her but the little baby kicks and the little flips I miss that part. I'll let you have that because that's what sounds terrifying to it's me is that like throwing something like again beautiful spiritual experience for so many people uh and maybe one day my opinion will change on that but I'm 28 years old and my opinion has been about the same for about five years now I thought that part was going to be kind of weird too because the one time I felt it in somebody else's belly I was like oh absolutely not um but it's actually it's really really cool when it's happening um now towards the end where your hips feel like they're splitting in half um and she like kicks <laughs> that that's not quite as like magical as the second trimester kicks. oh my gosh did your husband ever get behind you and like hold yes your belly it's up? the best it's the best if you have a pregnant person in your life do that for them like, it's the best go thing. up behind them there's like tiktok videos of it where they like lift the belly and they hold and i i wish somebody would hold my belly and i don't even have a baby when he wasn't there. available the bathroom counter is kind of like low and i'm a little tall i would literally just go and set my set. stomach on the counter i can't imagine carrying all that extra weight to just and also carrying a human but that being said i'll let you say what october what the month of october is and what it means to you yeah, so um, October is Miscarriage and Child Infant Loss Awareness Month. Yes. And um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and why was it so important for you to come speak on this topic? What made you decide to reach out and say, oh, I will join this crazy <laughs> concept and come do a podcast? So I have more experience with miscarriages than most. Um, I have something called recurrent pregnancy loss. Um, some people also call it secondary infertility. I don't typically have an issue getting pregnant, but I have a problem staying pregnant. And so before I got my rainbow, before I had my daughter, I had four consecutive losses. Really? And I didn't recognize that it was so many. Or yeah. Like, uh, and those are the four that we know about. Um, my losses were all before eight weeks. And when you're a busy college student and you're on a birth control that you typically don't get a period on, then it's really easy to miss. Um, And my doctors and I both suspect, because we weren't always the most responsible people, um, (laughs) that there were miscarriages, probably many, that we never even caught because they lost, we lost them so early on. And for me, my first three miscarriages really were just like a period. It, It was just like a bad period. And I never even really would have checked up if I hadn't known that I was pregnant. Is there, um, is this a common thing for women to have? No. Or is it? So, and I hate the word common. I hate using it. I know it's what it is, but it, the, the 
Miscarriage in general is common. The The number, depending on what you, you know, record you're pulling it from, is typically one in four or one in five pregnancies will result in a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women don't even know. Like I said, it, it happens, the, the highest risk of miscarriage has been between like one in six weeks, one in eight weeks. And the chances of you recognizing that you're pregnant that early on, if you're not actively trying, are probably pretty low. Um. For me, though, I finally made it into the 1%. Uh, it's not the 1% I wanted, but I am in the 1% of women that have uh, recurrent pregnancy loss, which by most definitions is three consecutive pregnancy loss with no living children. How did you get diagnosed with this? Was it because of the three? That was a journey. So the getting diagnosed with the recurrent pregnancy loss, yes, was because I had three miscarriages okay. um, and no living children. Getting diagnosed with what was actually causing it was like a four-year journey. <laughs> okay, so what what's causing it? So I have something called antiphospholipid syndrome. Okay, those it's are big mouthful. words. Yes. It's APS for short. I think okay. it actually used to be called like APLS or something. But APS is the, the shortened abbreviated version. And essentially what it is is that my blood clots irregularly. And... I'm very thankful and very grateful that in my day-to-day life, it does not affect me. Um, now that I'm aware that I have it, I do take a baby aspirin every day just as a preventative measure, but I don't have to take any like serious blood thinners, no injections, nothing like that. Um, unfortunately, when I am pregnant, those blood clots were causing my miscarriages. You know, the veins in your placenta are tiny, tiny, tiny. Um, and I was throwing blood clots and it was killing off the placenta. And killing off the baby. Um, And it took, honestly, I didn't actually, they diagnosed me with a clotting disorder. I didn't get a finalized diagnosis of APS until I saw my maternal fetal medicine doctor while I was pregnant with James. Okay. So about 16 weeks. So do you know, is this condition something that's genetic or is it just a... It, I can't remember if it's genetic or not. Um... As far as I know, no one else in my family has had recurrent miscarriages, but we do have histories of blood clot-related issues, so like heart attack, stroke, things like that. Um, But as far as I know, nobody else in my family has it. Okay. Do you know if your mother, I know that she passed away when you were fairly young. Did she ever have any history of miscarriage? So when I say my mom, it's actually my aunt. My aunt raised me. Okay. Um, My biological mother, um, I believe had endometriosis. Okay. But I don't think that she had any, like, I don't think she had APS or any kind of clotting issues. Okay. So let's, let's backtrack a little bit to that first pregnancy, if you don't mind. So you weren't expecting to get pregnant and you're like, oh shit, there's two lines. What do I do? So (laughs) then you said very quickly, you were adding stuff on Amazon. You switched into mom mode real fast. How long did that first pregnancy last? So I miscarried at seven weeks. Okay. Um, and I just, for everybody that's watching, though, while I kind of, uh, you say I switched into mom mode, I'm telling you, it's back and forth. Like, so, so you were one I can be in mom mode, it. yes, and the next minute I'm crying in the bathroom saying, how the hell am I going to do yeah. this? Um, and it never really went away, but um, there was still excitement. Like, there's always, it, it's not one or the other, it's a duality. Um, so my first pregnancy, honestly, was probably the most public Um so I lost my first baby February 5th, 2019. Okay. And um, again, at that point in time, I did not have health insurance. So we had gone that morning. Jace came with me. We went to the health department and we had it confirmed so that we could get a sonogram scheduled. Um, 
So we went that morning, we had it confirmed, and we were so excited. We had already told his dad and my sister in the freak out period when we were like, holy what hell. What are we going to do? But now we got to be excited about it. It had been confirmed. We have a sonogram that's going to be set up. We're going to get to see our baby. I went to work and at the point in time. I was working at a small law firm, so there was maybe about five people working with me, and I couldn't help myself. <laughs> So I told everybody, uh-huh. <laughs> I told everybody that we were pregnant. We were so excited. Um, we had all, we had known since about, you know, we'd known probably about a week, week and a half that we were pregnant. And so the the one big person in our life that we hadn't told was Chase's mom. And so I had ordered this coffee cup. It's completely blank on the outside. But then when you look at it on the inside, it says you're going to be a grandma. And so we asked her to come to dinner with us that night. And we went out and we ate. And I still have the video on my phone of her opening that and crying and being so excited. And we ate dinner. And then because she can't keep a big secret like that to save her life, we called all of the rest of his family in the parking lot. And we called his grandma and his sister and... We told all of them, and as we're standing there on the phone in the parking lot with his grandma, I felt a sharp pain. And I was like, mm, that, that really didn't feel right. Um, and it felt like I had, like, some discharge. So we, we were literally right down the road from my house. We went home. I went to the bathroom, and there was blood. And so we called his mom. She whipped around. I called my sister. She, like, you know... Jeff Gordon did over here and met us at the ER. And so the same day we had had it confirmed and told everybody was the same day that we miscarried. Um, and I went to this hospital and they, they, you know, did a sonogram and then they handed me a piece of paper that said I had a spontaneous abortion and told me to follow up with my provider in two weeks. Okay. So how did that, cause you said at that time that you were going through mental health stuff as well. How did that affect your mental health on top of all the other life that you were dealing with too it (laughs) it was one of those things where it it felt very like guilt-ridden because while there were times when I was excited there's also times when I was terrified and I was like oh my gosh why is this happening to me right now um There's definitely a little bit of uh, guilt involved with that. Absolutely. Um, And then trying to figure out where I was supposed to go from there. Like, how do you build up? Like, you had this whole idea of what life was going to look like from that point on, and it had completely been stripped away so And it was such a quick change, because, like, you go from, it's just you, you you know, and your partner, and then it's like, oh, hey, you're having a baby, and your whole life perspective has to, like, swap on a dime. And then two days later... Swaps it swapped back. again. Yeah. Um, it's a lot to adjust to in such a short, like, this all happened within two weeks. And that's a lot to adjust to. And that's a lot, like, life's crazy enough as is. I can't imagine having, I'm sure, like, once you have the thought of having a child and imagining what their life's going to look like and then not having that child any longer. So you you guys dealt with that. You dealt with, how does that work after a miscarriage do you have a service for the child is that something that y'all did or was it just more of a personal mourning so you everybody grieves in different ways um so I ended up joining some support groups on Facebook and I've seen a lot of the moms do it differently um for me we (laughs) oddly enough so that that night my sweet sweet friend her name is Selena I love her to pieces she was so excited for me to be having a baby. She had just recently had her her son. Um, and so 
she had gone that day because again she worked with me and I told everybody that morning she had gone in and made a basket for my baby and had left it on the doorstep mm-hmm. and my sister at 2 a.m called her and like texted her and said hey Jen lost the baby and she <laughs> called me and she was like please don't go home yet it, there's something on your doorstep I have to go get it don't go home um and I was like no please leave it and one of the things that was in the basket was this little elephant toy it's like an elephant lovey like with the blanket attached yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so we didn't do like a service or anything, but I slept with that thing for months. Oh, um, and I still have it. It's James's now. I gave it to her. And how sweet (laughs) to have a friend that was so quick to be there for you in both times and recognize like the switch that needed to be made. Like, Hey, this is, hang on. It's also, I think grief in general is, it's difficult for people who have never experienced it. Um, and I don't mean like, you know, you can you grieve friends, what have you, but once you have somebody that's kind of nuclear to your life, your your dad, your mom, your spouse, your sister, um, and it's that like just deep, all-consuming grief is kind of like, if you've never had that, it's hard to approach somebody that's going through it and know how to come at the situation. What would have been a way, like, did people respond to you in a way that you appreciated or could things have been handled differently? Or if somebody knows somebody that went through that so early on, what, what worked for you in that? What was, uh, so my sister and I, well, you know, we had already lost our mom. Um, like I think at that point in time, maybe seven years prior or Six, I'm not great with timelines. And so, I mean, honestly, my coping mechanism is sarcasm and dark humor. Yes, yes. As somebody that, like, recently like, lost their father, same. Like, dark very humor dark. gets I us made through it. I made so many dead mom jokes. Look, and the discomfort on other people's faces people, while my sister and I laughed. Oh, yeah, because people that have alive parents are like, how dare you? But people <laughs> with dead parents are like, hey, like, I completely understand. And some people, once I started, like, once I finally broke and I started, laughing would just kind of like chuckle along oh my god I can't believe you did that to me but some people were genuinely like offended and worried about me and I was like my mom would have thought that was hilarious my humor so with this did you also handle it in a dark humor sort of way or so I think was there's it- stages so initially um I, I took the day off called my boss I was like yeah, I can't I can't come in and um Jason and I just kind of stayed and we grieved very privately um we had only told a handful of folks uh, and they were all very close family. Unfortunately, um, you know, some of that information um, went a little bit farther than I had anticipated. Um, through nobody's fault, it was an honest, you know, an, an honest issue um, or an honest mistake, whatever. But we grieved privately. We wanted it to be private. We did not tell, you know, friends and family outside of that nuclear circle we had already spoken to. Um, and then because we're reckless, reckless kids, we got pregnant again the next month. <laughs> oh, was it that Unplanned. quick? I didn't yes. recognize that. So was, my first... And me, tell me before we start, how old were you around? How old are you now? I'm 30. Oh, yay, dirty 30. <laughs> but, um, so 20, don't make me do math. Like 26. Okay, okay. Ish. So young, young. Also, some still young. 
<laughs> look, oh, look, and look, I don't know if you can see the comments, oh, hey. too. This is one of my friends, for Lee Allison. Um, it's very hard to not blame yourself, and you feel alone because no one talks about it. That is exactly why Jen's here, too, because yeah. breaking a stigma behind it. So it's I made awesome. I made them bring me napkins because I already knew I was going to likely cry, and but I, I knew that this conversation needed to be had. So look, Yeah, and again, I really appreciate your vulnerability with this. So y'all were reckless teen, or <laughs> I say teen. I'm still um, I'm, I'm yeah. 28 and I'm like I'm still a teenager right like well you know apparently after you have a miscarriage you're very fertile like oh, the, oh the stage has already been set I didn't know that so yeah. neither did we and um next thing you know you know it, they had told me to to go back to the hospital after my first miscarriage. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I tested out at home. You have to like test out your HCG to make sure that your body has fully passed. So I tested it out. And then I was like, man, I'm feeling funny again. And there are two lines again. Oh (laughs) my God. Are you kidding me? They're like, well, I called my OB and they're like, there's nothing that we can do until you're further along. We'll bring you in for a scan around nine or 10 weeks. Um, And, you know, I I told Jace um, when it was positive and, I just kind of cautioned him. I'm, I'm a worst case scenario kind of gal. And I was like, listen, we lost the first one. I was like, I don't want to get your hopes up about this one. Um, and we lost that one very early on. Um, I think that one honestly would probably be what's considered a chemical pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is, what is that? So it's, don't ask me medical questions. Uh, <laughs> so chemical is is typically when, if I understand it, is kind of when it's just like you get that hormone. It's not the fetus never really develops. Like it's okay. it's just kind of a a hormonal pregnancy. Um, and if I got that wrong for anybody that has chemical pregnancies, I'm so so sorry. I'll Google it later and correct it in the comments. Uh, <laughs> you're doing you're doing great. Look, you could be telling straight lies, and I'd be like, yeah, okay, sure, yeah, like, absolutely, nothing about this. Um, so we lost that one, and we actually didn't tell anybody at the time about that. I told my sisters because they're my biggest support group, um, and I just have to like the those are my people, and. Um, but that was it. We didn't tell any of Jason's family. We didn't tell my friends. So um, we went ahead and then we decided, hey, let's go ahead. Let's elope. Let's get married. Um, and part of that was because we've been together forever and we just went through this trauma and we needed something happy in our lives. Yeah. And part of it was also that uh, he had access to health insurance. <laughs> that makes a big difference. So, oh, look, we just got Danny is such a king. He just looked up such a, a chemical pregnancy, pregnancy that... Ends in very, very early, early miscarriage. I can't see that far. And yeah, detected, detected only by a hormone, hormone test. test. Okay. Um, and so once we, I, I got access to health insurance, um, I started trying to focus on a little bit more on getting healthy. We went and we got on birth control and I was like, we don't need this to happen again. Like we've got to take a second. Um, cut to March of 2020. Um, so I started an antidepressant. I okay. went and I said, Hey, I need something. Um, which awesome. Good for you yeah. for reaching out. That's and so I started taking Wellbutrin and okay. I also had started a new job and both of those things were very helpful for my mental health. Um, and I will say for anybody who was in that position where I was, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I was like deathly scared to try an antidepressant or to try a medication and not because I was scared of the medication, but because I was scared 
it wasn't going to work and uh, that we were going to do all this and that nothing was going to work and that was going to be the rest of my life. And you were just going to feel that awful. And like as somebody that struggles with mental health as well, it is such a scary place to be like, okay, well, what if I get on this and I'm just still sad? And luckily, I feel like in today's society, there's so many other options for that and so yeah. many. And if you can find a good psychiatrist that like makes all the difference in the world too. Yep. But well, and what's crazy too is different medicines work well for different people. As soon as you said Wellbutrin, I was like, oh, because Wellbutrin <laughs> did not work for me. It sent me on like a manic episode talking to angels and stuff. Oh, it was, no, it was, it was wild. I love it. So I'm so <laughs> glad that it worked for you, but I will not be trying that one again. Gotcha, so gotcha. You're, um, so you got on antidepressants, your new job, and it helped out a whole lot. Like, yes. It, and so I just kind of, we focused on being a couple and enjoying being married um, and just kind of got back to it. And then um, October of 2020, actually a little bit before that, okay, we had decided that we were ready now. Um, and so we tried again. And at this point in time, um, I have found who is now my current OB. And I adore her. Do you want to have... give her a shout out? You don't have so... to. Uh, if, if anybody wants to reach out to me, I will we'll tag my name and I will make personal recommendations if you reach out to me. But I do work in the healthcare field. Oh, absolutely. And so, so naming names is not, no, uh, we don't, I'm we not comfortable doing not that. name dropping. <laughs> yeah, no, so, understood. But I will say my OB, hands down, is the best doctor I've had regardless of specialty. Um, and I'm so glad that I found her. And we'll get into her later because she deserves like a full segment. But... Um, I was with my, my, my current OB now. I had just started seeing her because my last one had retired. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, let's give it a go. So I got off my birth control and I got pregnant. And um, I really felt like this time it was going to go well, right? So in my head, I had kind of rationalized that the universe knew what it was doing, right? Yeah. That I was in like a crap place and... I didn't love the job that I was in, and my mental health was in the toilet. And the universe was like, no, ma'am, this is not what you need right now, right? And that helped me to cope with those first two losses, um, to think that there was a plan behind it. And then I worked on myself for a year. You know, I went, and I got the help I needed, and I made myself better. And you I did all we worked on our relationship. Supposed and, to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now I'm married, and I have health insurance, and, like, I've, I've done all the steps, and I'm here. And... I miscarried again. How far along were you for that miscarriage? Six weeks. Six weeks, okay. Mm-hmm. And, a little over six weeks. And I assume it, with that pregnancy, you were just ecstatic, or were you still kind of hesitant with everything that had we, happened? I, you always have that hesitancy. There's, like, that kind of, like, <sighs> like almost like your stomach drops when you see the positive. And it's exciting, but it's kind of like a roller coaster. Like, you're excited, but it's a little scary. And that's actually. It's always a little scary. Oh, yeah. Look, and pregnancy after loss is so scary going through it now. And, like, again, like, you being here is going to touch so many people. Like, going, actually hearing somebody else going through it, too. Or Going that to it. the bathroom. It's so crazy. Going to the bathroom after a miscarriage and you're pregnant is like it's terrifying it's like a horror movie every time because it's like you're so terrified that when when you wipe there's gonna be blood um 
And so there's like you're traumatized every time. Like you don't you don't want to go to the bathroom. You don't want to even have to do it anymore. Uh, so you were eight weeks along for that one. How was so about six? six a little over weeks, six weeks. Six weeks. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. The but, first pregnancy is the one that made it the farthest aside from my daughter, okay. and that was right at I was just a little bit before eight weeks. Okay. So that one. How did that one? Um, at that point, how did that affect your mental health? Like that by one the third me. one. That one. That one was bad. Oh, I can't imagine. Um, and they're all bad. I don't want to, you know. No, point, no, but no. But you handled. I had planned for that one. I felt like I had done all the right things. And um, part of kind of what I had rationalized in my head for the first two is that I was so stressed out that my body was like, you can't handle this right now. Um, because you, so for your first miscarriage, you know, they're like, it's, it, I, hate, I hate this word, y'all. It's common, right? Yeah. Um, and so they don't worry about it. It doesn't increase your chances of having another one. Well, then after you have your second one, it increases your chances of having another one by some odd percentage. I don't recall them anymore. Um, and then when you get to your third, your chances like double. And so I can't imagine too that that after that third one, it was like, oh shit, like, are we ever going to be able yeah. to do this? So I went to my doctor and, um, she was like, we're going to. She's like, we're going to do this. We're going to figure it out now. So she referred me to this amazing fertility specialist in Madison. And I'm not name dropping, but fertility specialist in Madison, y'all probably know who he is. And him and his staff are phenomenal. So, so sweet. So I went to see him in November and we did an initial consult and whatever. And he was like, hey, listen, the holidays are coming up. Your body needs to recover. I don't want you getting pregnant right now. Let's come back and we'll, we'll test in the new year. Um, and so we do, I got a scan to look at my anatomy. Everything was fine. Um, we ran a whole host of blood tests. I literally went in and they took like 14 vials of blood. Um, and he ran, you know, my, my thyroid, he ran for like clotting, but there's a whole panel of stuff and I can't recall all of it, but one thing came back up normal. Um, which is my lupus anticoagulant. Okay. So that doesn't mean that I have the autoimmune disease lupus. Um, if I recall correctly, it means I might have a higher chance of developing it later later. on. Um, but it was the only anomaly. And he said, you know, Hey, listen, this is, yes, this is positive, but I, I think you could probably try again and let's just monitor. So we got pregnant again. Um, and we lost it again. Actually, I'm sorry. My timeline is off. Um, I had gotten a referral from him because that was positive to uh, a hematologist. So did you start, like, I know that, like, IVF is a thing. Is that something that was even looked at? Or, like, did you look at it with that? Or how does that? With my type of of infertility, which a lot of people refer to as secondary infertility, a a lot of those treatments that you typically think about for fertility, those treatments are for getting pregnant. Okay. I didn't have any problems Getting pregnant, pregnant, I just couldn't stay, stay pregnant. pregnant. Okay. Um, and so, like, with, with IVF, you know, that helps to make sure that you have a, a good egg, a good, good sperm, and that, implement, like, you're getting the best chance for implement, or implantation as you can. Yeah. My husband looked at me sideways, and I got pregnant. So <laughs> they weren't worried about that. But, like, once once you're past that, it there's a lot of things that are out of their control and the really terrible part is that the doctors will tell you you know hey you know you'll call them and say i'm bleeding and they're like well listen this early on there's nothing we can do if you're losing it you're losing it yeah um there are some like hormones that they can give you i know some ladies that i'm with take like progesterone stuff like that um for me my doctor had referred me over to a hematologist okay and 
this is one of the big points that I want everybody to take home is to, if your doctor isn't doing what they need to do, if your doctor doesn't make you comfortable and feel confident, find another doctor. Don't care if you have to go to another state, wherever, whatever you can do, find another doctor. And that can be said too for everything as well. Like find somebody that's going to take care of you because there is somebody that can take care of you. You just have to find them. So I was very hopeful going to this hematologist. I was like, man, we're getting more and more specialized to who I'm seeing. We're going to find an answer. We're going to figure out what's going on. And I went to this man and I waited for three hours in the waiting room to see him. And then they took me back and he walked in the room and he asked me why I was there. He had not read a single word in my chart. And I thought maybe I was like, he's busy, right? He's a cancer doctor. And I heard him with the patient next door. He spent a lot of time with them. Maybe he's just really into, you know, patient relations and it's a busy day, right? Benefit of the doubt. So I went over my entire history with him, all the tests that my doctors had run, all of my symptoms, all the research that I had done, you know, on the the different websites from moms from the NIH. Like I had pulled all this research. Research comforts me. And I got to the end of this, and he goes, well, it sounds like you've done everything. I don't know that I have anything else for you. I'm going to check with my colleague and see if he has any ideas, but I, I don't think that I have anything. And I don't know if he didn't understand the implications of what he was saying or if he's so used to, you know, I, I get it. You know, if you're a cancer doctor, you're, you're telling people that they're potentially dying every day, and me over here, you're just telling me that I'm potentially not having a baby. But y- I, I, you're you're telling me that I don't have a future that I had planned yeah how disheartening and invalidated I'm sure uh he came back and he was like you know my colleague doesn't have anything I'm actually going to refer you to another colleague and in my head I'm like great you know somebody else is going to tell me that they can't do anything and I'm going to end up paying a copay and I, I made it out of the the hospital and I got into my car and I called my sister and I sobbed oh because everything that you had planned or had wanted had just kind of been he didn't treat you the way that you deserve to be treated or you know, we had had these miscarriages and and but it never felt like I hit a brick wall it always felt like there was something learned or that we were making progress towards something and to wait all this time and to to have that build up that I was so like you know hopeful that you were going to hand me something to be like just very kind of casually given the information that there's nothing that you can do for me and you're yeah. supposed to be like the specialist on this um, was very disheartening. As it turns out, though, the referral to his colleague was one of the best things that happened to me. Okay, I went to her office, and at that point in time, I had zero hope. I, I, I was just doing this so that I could say that I had done everything. Yeah. Right? To help me feel less guilty when the time came where I had to tell my husband and my family that this wasn't going to happen. And I walked in, and she knew my name. And she had read my entire chart front and back. And she complimented me on my questions. And she complimented me on my research. And she said, listen, I know they've done these tests, but I want to do them. Okay. Oh. I want to make sure that nobody missed anything. How beautiful. Like, And she just, so awesome. she, she restored my faith that this might work. Um, and so we ran the test again. My lupus came back positive again, you know, but again, nothing else was happening. Right. So the, the practice is like, once you test positive for the lupus, you test for all the clotting factors. So most people know, you know, factor five Leiden, um, you know, they test for the S factor, the C factor, your anti-cardiolipins, there's a whole bunch of things. Oh, mine kept coming back normal. And she was like, well, listen, maybe just maybe yours only test positive when you're pregnant. She's like, so let's get you pregnant. 
And she's like, and what I'm going to do is because uh, at this point with your lupus being positive, we know it's some type of a clotting issue. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start you on Lovenox, um, which is a horrendous injection. <laughs> uh, do you have a needle in I your purse? I do, ma'am. Oh, no. So, oh, my God. She has pulled out I a needle. I don't know if everybody can see this or not. But these are pre-filled syringes that they prescribe you when you're on Lovenox. So, I for that pregnancy... For that pregnancy, I got prescribed those. That's a 40. Um, what did you inject? You have to... You're supposed to inject within two inches of your belly button. Okay. Um, it's a subcutaneous injection like a um, insulin... Right. So you don't you're not injecting into a vein or a muscle. It's into like the fatty tissue. Right. Okay. And so typically for that, you're supposed to do it within two inches of your belly button. Um, and then you just kind of rotate your sights out throughout your pregnancy. OK. So for that pregnancy, uh, they didn't really know kind of what was going to do it or not. So they gave me a prophylactic dose, which is just a, a just in case dose. Right. And so that's what that is. It's a 40. And I took it for about five days and miscarried. So this is miscarriage number four at this yes. point. Okay. And the previous three I had been able to pass at home. I don't know if it was because I was on blood thinners or not, but with that one, um, I went in and after a week and there was still retained tissue. And so I had to do a round of Cytotec. Um, for those who don't know what that is, it is a medication that causes um, your uterus to contract. They use it to help pass miscarriages because it helps to expel. They also use it to ripen your cervix and induce labor. Um, so if you are pregnant and you go to the hospital and you hear that word, um, it's just going to you know make your uterus start to contract. Um, I had been told that it was going to, you know, there were going to be contractions and that it was going to feel like a bad period. And my doctor actually prescribed me narcotics. I was like, I've done oh. three of these at home, ma'am. I think I'm like, fine. Oh, you were not. I was not fine. Not. Spoiler alert. I was not <laughs> fine, y'all. And um, I had taken it and then gone to sleep and I woke up. And the only way I can describe it, it is like really horrendous period cramps but on top of that you know when you have like a stomach virus from hell yeah and yeah. your stomach locks up into that knife oh. and if you move it's coming out of both yeah. ends that oh, oh okay it took about two rounds i called my husband crying and he came home i was, I was feeling super nauseous everything hurt he came home he was such a sweetie he brought me crackers and sprite and i it took about two rounds of my pain pills and about four hours for it to finally to pass through and how well, for me just to relax, relax. Okay, yeah okay. and so the rest of it while on the pain pills taking them regularly it was perfectly fine less than a period I went back there was still suspicious of blood flow like maybe all of my placenta hadn't passed so I had to do a second round and I got lucky and that worked because if not we were gonna have to do surgery okay um at this point I am just like man what you're just emotionally exhausted is there left everything um and I told my husband I was like you know I need a break and additionally you know it, at this point in time in the year I was like that's gonna be like a Christmas baby not really looking for that I don't want a Sagittarius <laughs> so uh we took a break and okay. then in summer of that year 2021 we're in 2021 by now so beginning of summer we were like all right you know this will get us a summer baby let's start trying um, once we had found out that I had a clotting issue, we had swapped my birth control because with clotting, you can't take an estrogen based birth control. And I don't know if that is what caused the issues or what, but when I got on birth control, we struggled to get pregnant. We never oh, had that before. Okay. We tried for, I, I called my doctor after three months because again, previously, like first cycle every time. 
And she was like, give it six months and then call me. So I did. I gave it six months. And when you're actively trying, I mean, like at this point, I am tracking my ovulation. Uh, you're not supposed to like take a pregnancy test until like at the very earliest 10 days. Most people say don't take it until like 12 days post ovulation. I started taking were, them at four. Okay. You were like, all right, let's see. I bought like the the mass like Sam's version of pregnancy tests. And that was my whole life was peeing on sticks for months Just with nothing. waiting to. So did you pass the six months without getting pregnant that go around? I did. Okay. Um, so we called and I ended up having to take an ovulation stimulant um, called Clomid. And it worked. And, and is this? We, this is my baby. We, Yay, okay. We got oh. pregnant with James in February of 2021, <sighs> or 2022, excuse me. journey. And um, for this one, my doctors, my hematologist, and my, my OB were like, this one's staying in there. If we have to crawl in there with it, they upped my dosage of Lovenox from 40 to 200. Oh, okay. That's I a took big 100 job. a day. And for anybody that's never taken Lovenox, those shots feel like you're injecting acid. Ugh, okay. And Lord help you if you hit like oh. a vein or something. Then it's... Um, were you injecting yourself or did your husband do it? I did it. Good. Good for you. Um, and it was... Honestly, I didn't know if I was gonna be able to do it. I was a little worried because it does it. It does suck to like inject, and then it hurt so badly. Not just the medication itself, but like the the whole injection. And I do want to say this: the reason I brought this, and I don't know how well y'all can see it on camera. I may need to lean around my mic and show you. Um, they prescribe these pre-filled needles, right? It comes in these little pre-fields. And the problem with this is, is that to make these needles safe, they have designed them to be retractable. Meaning once you get to the end, you press down really, really hard Mm -hmm. and it retracts itself. Okay. With this, and I don't want to like trigger warning anybody, but I'm going to get a little closer here. If you can see this, the needle moves with, can you see that? Yeah. It moves with the plunger. So, great. So, yeah, it moves with the plunger, which means, excuse me, while you're injecting this, the needle's moving in your skin. And it's creating these huge, painful knots and bruises that look like somebody has, like, shot you point blank with a paintball gun. And so I found this mom on the Internet because I was like, I can't. I can't let my discomfort be the reason that I don't have a baby. Yeah. And it just tracks. Oh. Yeah. Fancy. So I can't let my discomfort be the reason that... I don't have a baby that my, my, my husband doesn't get to be a dad. And so I looked and looked and looked and I found one video that saved, I'm, I'm positive that it saved my life and my baby's life. There was a lady on the internet and she said, these needles suck. Doesn't matter what manufacturer you get from them. They're dull. They move. They like the, the plunger sticks. And she said, go and get you insulin needles. These are just subcutaneous shots. Go and buy you a pack of insulin needles off of Amazon and transfer your medication I cannot tell you how much easier these shots became, how much less painful they became. Oh, I'm so glad that you found that video. Just miraculous. Um, And so going through that, this one did get me my daughter, and I'm I'm so grateful, but it still wasn't an easy experience because... So when we made it to nine weeks, I celebrated. That was the first time we'd ever made it past nine weeks, but it still felt like I wasn't allowed to enjoy this yet because you don't want to jinx it yeah you, you don't want to tell anybody 
Um, How long did you wait with that pregnancy before you shared with James? So after my fourth miscarriage, I believe my fourth one, we finally broke down and we told our family, you know, and, and, and Jace's family what we had been going through. Um, we told them about all the pregnancies that they didn't know about that we'd lost. And with this one, we told our immediate family, so my sisters, his mom and his dad, and we didn't announce to everybody else until we made it out of the first trimester. Because when you make it out of the first trimester, your risk of losing drops pretty significantly. Yeah. Um, but even still, like, you're still terrified up until the day you have them in your arms. Like, you're terrified to go to the bathroom. And I actually did experience that with James. So we went to my sister-in-law's wedding um, around Easter. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, end of April. Yeah. So I would have been about eight, nine weeks. Um, which is right around you know the time I'm in the airport bathroom and I go to the bathroom and there's blood. Oh shit! And I call my provider and I'm like, "What do I do? Do I keep taking the Lovenox? Like, do I keep taking? They like just keep taking it. We'll scan you when we get back." But now I'm stuck in a different state, smiling because it's a wedding, trying to pretend that I'm not ready yeah. to puke my guts up or that I'm not terrified until I can get back to my provider and get a scan. Um. And again, it, it all worked out. I got my baby out of it. But there is, it takes the joy out of it. Oh. I, I miss that I didn't get to have that. Like, I had a friend that got pregnant around the same time, um, about 12 weeks before me. Um, and she texted me and Megan. She's actually, she's one of Megan's kids too. <laughs> and she texted me and Megan. And she was so excited. Her and her husband had been trying. And she was like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, I'm so, so excited for you. And I went to my messages and immediately texted Megan and said, I am so jealous. Oh, I can't imagine because yours was such a hard path to get to. And I'm sure seeing people that it's easy is so difficult to not be envious of that. Yes. Like, I'm so sorry that, like, you had to deal with all. And I know that, like, sorry is probably not the right word for it. But, like, I can't imagine even being a woman. I've always said I've never wanted children. But having that taken away from me or having the fear that I couldn't be given to me would still be horrible. Because, like, that's what your body's supposed to do. That's how it's supposed to, like, you're supposed to be able to easily birth a child. And, like, there's so many things that can go wrong for... And that's something, too. Like, nobody talks about how many things have to go right in order to have a successful pregnancy. And so... I I, am very grateful. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. Four four miscarriages is a lot. Like I said, 1% are over here. But um, in my my kind of grief and in trying to cope, I I joined um, some Facebook groups. And I will shout them out because they are so, the moms and the women that are in these groups are the strongest women. And they have the most heartbreaking stories. They're, they literally tear their bodies apart to, for their kids. And so one of them is a recurrent pregnancy loss support group. Um, and that's where I learned more about, like, what RPL is because it is, you know, very specialized. And, and not, not to take away anything from anybody who's who's had a miscarriage or whatever. No, absolutely. Um, or who has a living child and then has a miscarriage. But it is a very select subset. Um, a, 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 it's, it's a different kind of battle because you – typically when you have, like I said, with one – there's not necessarily something wrong with you. Um, again, hate the word. It's common. 
once you get to the three and the four, now you have to start chasing to find a specialist that'll give you the test that you want. Yeah. And then you have to like chase a diagnosis. And the really sad thing is, is that I am extremely lucky. I am in the one person again that I found out what was causing my miscarriages because most of the moms in that group will never know. And what, like, it's so hard to say, like, what a blessing that you were able, because this has not been a blessing. Like, it's been something to deal with, but... um, But it was, that I found the doctors that I I found, especially here in in Mississippi, Mississippi, yeah, that I found these amazing specialists who who fought for me and who understood and who listened to all my questions and that I was able to get an answer. Because, again, most women with this will not get... A definitive answer. They might find a treatment that works. They because they're just throwing everything they can at it and just hoping something sticks. But they will probably never know the actual reason what's causing it. So how does so tell us a little bit about baby James? How old is she now? We know she's got a uh, spunky she's personality. Almost she's one. Is she almost? I'm one? having a crisis. <laughs> so she will be one beginning of next month. We are under thirty days oh, to her really? birthday. That's wild. So how has this all affected like your future? Like what does this look like from you? Like are you do you think you're one and done? Or are you going to continue to try even though you've experienced so much loss? Potentially, or? since it seems that we found a winning formula um it's been a discussion we've tossed it around but again may may i'll just say it again because it warrants it pregnancy sucks and my pregnancy in particular even the good parts are you know marred with having to take these shots and they're marred with like so many doctor's appointments um with so many different specialists and regardless there is still always that fear um and honestly, even once you have your baby, it doesn't go away. Like, so everybody's scared, you know, that they have to keep this this child alive and they're scared for their baby. But um, the first time we had to take James to the ER, she was making strider noises. And I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but. I've heard of it, but I don't. Isn't it like scary? It is terrifying. Okay. So it's this like high pitched noise when they breathe in. It sounds like their windpipe is closing. And I was like, there's, she was in like a stamina. I was like, there's no way that she's found something to put into her mouth. But she just kept making it. And I'm freaking out. I'm trying to remember how to do the Heimlich. So like I have her upside down and like you have to hit them pretty hard. Yeah. So I'm like hitting her back and she's screaming because it hurts. And I'm freaking out thinking that she's worried. But in the back of my head, that child loss trauma triggers now all you can think is not again yeah I cannot do this again oh and I can't imagine once you have the child with you what how scary and terrifying that would be um as a as a bright part to that we went to the hospital and it turns out that's just the noise she makes when she's trying to poop and she's constipated oh she's gonna love listening back to this in like 15 years she'll be like thanks mom okay well she cost me an ER bill for pooping so I think it's fair play man so she's she's like around and good and as far as your journey goes like you might continue to try again because you found a good doctor for this you found do you have any like words of advice for women that are going through this like within your grief and within everything that you've gone through like what what do you have to say to the other women that are going through this so a couple things um a find support um, like I said, I joined, I mentioned one of them. It's a recurrent pregnancy loss group. I know that's very niche. Um, but if you are trying to conceive after pregnancy loss, there's a group called Trying to Conceive Rainbows After the Storm. It's abbreviated to TTC. I learned so much from those women. 
Like they have gone above and beyond to get diagnoses or diagnoses and like uh, they've traveled and they are so willing to share their information. Um, so go out and find support, right? There are women out there who will help you. I love when women come together and um, do the thing. They're the, they're the best group. Um, additionally, you grieve how you want to grieve. Grief is personal and you, nobody gets to judge you for how you do that. I cope with violent sarcasm and like pitch black humor and that's not for everybody, okay? Some people don't think that, you know, death and, and dying in pain or something to be laughed at or laughed through. Um, for me, that's how I don't pull my hair out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you grieve how you want to grieve. You grieve when you want to grieve. Um, the day after my first miscarriage, you know, I told you me and my husband took off and we did have some personal time to ourselves at the house, but we also spent the entire day shopping to find me an area rug. I bought myself a miscarriage rug. <laughs> love it. Like, however, <laughs> not a rug, like not a rug. So you, there's actually a comedian, I can't remember who it is, but she bought herself a miscarriage bicycle. Um, Look, y'all, y'all cope how you need to cope. I might yes. use like my next trauma as an excuse to buy me a big ticket item so and then this is a big one for me because I really struggle with this um when I got pregnant with James my sister and my husband were super optimistic they were like this is the one I feel really good about this but I didn't mm. uh, it felt like I was breaking my body and hurting myself and I still was not going to get a baby out of this and so I told my husband I was like if this one doesn't work I'm done I have to be done or I'm gonna break and so I tell you this you stop whenever you want to stop. I know it feels like you have to do everything. Like you have to go and, and drain your bank accounts and see every specialist and take every shot and, you know, bend over backwards until your body is absolutely broken and you have no options left to try. That is not true. You stop when you want to stop. I love that. Nobody can yeah. tell you when you're done except for you. And if you're one and done, you never want to experience it again. That is valid. And I love that you say that, too, that it's not, you don't have to keep continuing. There's other options. There's other, like, there's other life paths that you can lead. And I love that you are open to not being like, break your body to get this, when you, that everybody's opinion on that is valid. Like, they can make their own choices for themselves. And you've also said to yourself, too, that, like, if people need to reach out, you're an open ear. Is that still, is that still valid? Yeah. We'll, we'll drop my, my name or whatever, however you want to do it. We'll tag me. Y'all can absolutely reach out. Um, one of the best things that happened, I didn't really have a, a personal person um, when I was going through my miscarriages to reach out to. Um which is crazy because I have people in my life now that I know that I've had miscarriages and that I could have, which is why I'm here. Because we all need to talk about this. Absolutely. Because it is a common topic. It needs to be treated like that. No one tells you not to talk about your dead mom or your dead dad. You know, no one says, oh, you know, you should be over that by now. Um, or, oh, you can have another one. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I lost my train of thought with my ADHD. No, you were good. I had you something. Were, I don't know which way I was going look, now. Maybe you weren't supposed to say it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but like saying that you didn't have a support group. And uh, But when my mom died, I actually had a high school friend, um, and I will, will shout her out. Hey, Hannah. And we weren't really like close friends. We weren't friends outside of school. We just kind of talked in class. And after my mom died, she reached out, and her dad had passed. And to have somebody that understood that grief, 
who wasn't makes in it with me. Absolutely. I agree. Like Was just having such, somebody to bounce off. And yes. so you're saying within this situation, the same thing is yes. true. Just Try finding support. Find like somebody who can understand. And I think you mentioning these Facebook groups and these other groups of women and even just being so vulnerable with me and with us and having this conversation. I didn't know what October was. I didn't I didn't know most any people of say this. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is what yes. most people, you know. And I think it's also Down Syndrome Awareness Month too. There's always some and months. I, I think going it's on. another big one too. <laughs> October is a great month and it's Halloween season. So yeah. it's all of the but I think that it was so important to have you here today because this is not a topic that I would have approached on my own or even really like had known anything about and again as somebody that like doesn't want to be pregnant I so appreciate hearing a woman's perspective on this and hearing the grief that it causes and how just how this can manifest in such many different ways and I think it's incredible that you've been able to share that with us like it's just been so cool and I've really happy to be here no I really appreciate your um again your vulnerability with us I appreciate you putting up I've never like interviewed somebody I had a plan for the first one the second one was me blabbering to myself and the third (laughs) one was was more of an interview style so I really appreciate you being patient with me as well and getting through this together it's just been a really cool opportunity but again, yeah, if you guys need to reach out to anybody, reach out to Jen Rankin. Jen, is there anything else that you wanted to say before we go? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Well, look, <laughs> I really appreciate you being here. And as I'll always say, life's chaotic, but it's really, really good. Really Thanks for good. listening, guys. We'll see you guys next week. I hope you have a great week. And again, feel free to reach out with Jen. She's an incredible human, and I'm happy she could be here. Thanks. Thanks, y'all.